Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Darla Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so happy that you are here today. I have a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Erica Kiefer. And after losing her firstborn son to to sudden infant death syndrome in 2010, Erica wrote an inspirational nonfiction entitled Borrowed Angel that describes her loss and healing journey. Since publishing her book, Erica enjoys using her experiences to write to a grieving community in hopes that her thoughts and experiences might offer comfort and connection. Erica moved from Provo, Utah shortly after her son died and now resides in Las Vegas, Nevada with her husband of 14 years and their four other children. She has also published a handful of contemporary young adult fiction through Clean Team Publishing and loves writing about emotional issues with touches of romance and drama that pull on the heartstrings of her readers. And I can attest she's a great writer. She filled out everything uh, for this podcast and she wrote it out beautifully. And she also (laughs) speaks well. I've heard her speak. And Erica, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's so great to meet you at the Salt Retreat. I love the, that the connections are continuing. So thanks for having yes, me. Yes, we met at Salt and it was it was such a great experience. I really loved connecting with Erica. Okay, so let's start off. Just tell us a little bit more about your family. I said you have four, four other children and we're going to talk about Ty in just a minute, but tell us about your life. All right. Those those others are pretty close, close-knit together. They are. I have a two-year-old up to an eight-year-old and they're all about two years or less apart. So once we started our family, we just kind of bam, 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 and kept going. (laughs) And we were, my husband and I met in college at BYU in Provo. And then we had Ty. And then from there, after law school, moved down to Las Vegas. And it's, it's interesting for me to be setting down roots because I didn't grow up with roots. I moved kind of the military lifestyle, moved every two to four years and mostly throughout Southeast Asia. So being here in Las Vegas for eight, um, maybe come up on nine years. This is a big thing for me to be in one house, one community for nine years. So <laughs> we are loving it. We love being here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I can relate to that too. Um, my family didn't move a ton, but we moved a little bit, but my kids have lived in the same place. They've all gone to the same schools. They've all have those shared, shared experiences. And I think that's really great. I love, I love that they have that. So, well, that's great. Let's, let's dive in. I want, I want to talk about your son, Ty. He was your firstborn. And like I mentioned in the bio, he passed away from sudden infant death syndrome. But mm-hmm. let's back up and tell us about Ty. What was he like? We are fortunate. We didn't have iPhones back then, so we don't have the mass of videos and pictures that we would have now. But people will tease. My, my mom's from Thailand, and the Asian gene of taking pictures and, and video, it resides in me. So <laughs> I fortunately was able to have, you know, the old, just the older cameras and even like the, just the older phones and 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 still take lots of pictures and videos. And we have some really cherished videos of him. And just those those precious first laughs, fortunately have those on on camera. And just, it was a really just a a simple, super sweet time for my husband and I. It's, you know, every every child you have is is special and it's so so endearing. But when it's your very first, there's just something a little extra about that because it's it's the first time you're, you're experiencing parenthood and and the ups and downs that come with that. And so he, he had a very calm, sweet demeanor. We had him for four and a half months. So just every little, every little newborn stage, every, I mean, learning how to sit up and to not, sorry, not sit up, kind of 
do the tummy time and, and the rolling over, like just simple things. But it was so exciting to see it for the first time. And he just, yeah, he just was our, our cute little bubs, we called him. And oh, that really is a magical time with your firstborn uh-huh. and kind of just that first introduction to motherhood. So you said that he was four and a half months old. What, tell us about that day. What, what happened when you found Ty? So we'd kind of been worrying about him. And I worried about him a lot during my pregnancy. And I just thought something might happen to him. And, and he actually ended up coming like five days early. We had to induce because I had like no amniotic fluid left. So I kind of was in this, this, this made this, this habit of worrying about him. But even after he arrived, this whirlwind pregnancy or this whirlwind delivery, there was just something, I just kind of had this feeling of concern for him. I think more than the usual parent would. And we kept feeling that something might happen to him. We gave him a blessing. We checked on, on him all the time. And one night, I guess it was the night of March 9th, my husband and I both had just this conversation about, you know, what would happen? What if, if I went into his room, what would happen if I found him not breathing? What would I do? And we, so we had this conversation that parents shouldn't normally have about their babies mm-hmm. and talked about, you know, doing infant CPR and that kind of thing. And crazily enough on March 10th that morning I woke up to go check on him he seemed like he was sleeping a little bit longer than later and went in there and looked in the crib and he had I could see he had already passed away and you know I'll spare I'll spare the details of the entirety of that morning but essentially we were able to get a a police officer in there and paramedics and rushed to the hospital and every everybody in their professional areas did everything that they could to try and save him and it was a pretty panic-filled morning and and yet if no one if no one tells you that someone's passed away you still have that hope that that's that the outcome's going to change you still you still pray for that miracle that something's going to be different than than what you're looking at and that wasn't the case here for us and so they told us that there was nothing more that they could do at the hospital and um they handed him to us in a white blanket and we we held him and, and sang to him and and that was kind of the start of our our new reality. So what, what were those first moments like after you, the realities, I'm sure it didn't sink in initially, but you know, you're, you're realizing that you're, he's gone. What were those moments like for you? What kind of feelings did you have? It, it kind of felt like watching some, a movie from somebody else's perspective. Like it didn't feel trying to wrap your head around it. It felt like I was watching somebody else. Like that was some other woman that was dropping to the floor saying, no, that's not like, this is not, like what you're saying is not true kind of thing. It took a little while to wrap around it. I mean, every, every time we woke up, it was, you kind of forget just for a moment and then you wake up and you get that sinking feel, feeling in your stomach, like someone just punches you in the gut and you realize how much that sucks and how much you cannot change the outcome of what's happened. No matter how much you try and rethink it in your mind. You, I mean, reliving that morning over and over again, wondering, could you have done anything different? Could I have done something different the night before? I mean, it was, it was agony trying to yeah. trying to change something that you, that you can't change it's it is it, one of those it is what it is and it was kind of a yeah just just lack of control really yeah devastating i i can't i cannot imagine what that would have felt like but i know that from talking to you and hearing you speak and the things that we've done to prep for this interview that you truly tried to seek answers and to to try to understand you know where was God in all of this? And, and how did you, how did you find him again? Where, where did you see him in this whole process? It, I found him a lot through writing. I mean, one of the first things that I did when I got home from the hospital 
And my, my husband and I, the first, the very first thing that we did was have a conversation about how we needed to make sure we included God in this process. Um, we went for a short walk and just talked about how we wouldn't blame each other and we needed to include God. And I think that kind of opened our perspective and kept that connection with God. And so I'm a, you know, I'm a writer by nature. I had like 14 journals as a kid. Like I just wrote about everything, <laughs> all the, you know, all the drama in my, like my childhood life and all like the, the silly romances. It just was a natural thing for me to write. And so that day after getting home from the hospital, that writing began almost immediately. Like I went down to the, the basement of my, my father's condo who lived just down the street from us. And I just started writing. I just wanted to get the images from that morning out of my head and I couldn't get out of my head, but I was, it helped me to write it to kind of put it elsewhere for that time to write and to kind of get my feelings out. And, um, so writing, that was the first time I did that. And then the next morning I wrote a letter to everybody, my coworkers and family, and just was expressing here, you know, here's how our life has changed. But every time that I wrote, the spirit would always speak to me and bring just thoughts and messages of comfort that I would, I felt compelled to write down. So even though I was writing about this descriptive pain, I couldn't also help but write about the, the part that, but it's okay because these are the things that I know. And it wasn't in a way where it diminished my pain because sometimes you don't want, you don't want people to be like, well, at least, you know, that's a phrase you don't want to say with people. Right. Oh, well, at least you, you know right. where he's at, or at least it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of writing. It was just, it was just a very personal talk from Heavenly Father to me that I was, I just, I, I needed to write down and it helped me to be able to look back on it and see, I honestly wrote about the pain, but I honestly could see where God was trying to also talk to me and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, you are loved. So writing was one way. I, I blogged a lot. I, I wasn't the kind of person that would that would call people up in the middle of having a you know a breakdown, yeah. but I, I blogged. And I knew that friends were dedicated and they were reading what I wrote and they'd leave comments. And for me, that was enough. It wasn't too personal, but it was still there was yeah. still that personal connection. Yeah. And then there were the writing side aside. I don't know if you want to talk more about that later, but well, I do have a question about that yeah. because I'm really fascinated by this. So. Was the writing, did it help you communicate with God because the thoughts that were coming out, you felt like were from him or was it just, I'm getting my thoughts out and then I can go back and read it and I can feel inspiration or was it a combination of both? It was kind of in the moment. It was just writing like, this is how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm getting it out and writing it. I didn't have intentions of writing things to make me feel better, but it just, those thoughts would just come after the fact. Right. I, the thought would let me feel that pain. And then these messages of like, I, I could see like the, I was able to kind of wrap my, my brain around just, just company messages. I, it's one of the things I, I almost, I can't even describe it exactly yeah. because it just was, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think overall, I think it's a really good example that God takes our own spiritual gifts and our own abilities and he can use them to communicate with us. Like you're an excellent writer like that is a gift that you have and so naturally if he, he created you and it's a gift that he gave you I can see how that's something that would would help you to to process and to feel close to him and to try to make sense of you know a, a situation that doesn't make sense that in your you know mortal logical mind how do you how do you overcome that I, I think that's I think that's something that any, anyone can experience and it doesn't have to be through writing but he can he can use our own gifts to communicate with us in our own, in a unique way because he's a personal god. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what was was going on. And it also it, I would tell people that with writing for me it would slow me down a little bit cuz you know your your brain just rushes and thinks so fast. And I talk fast and I write fast, but it was mm -hmm. enough writing things down in a coherent way 
it does slow things down enough where God can also put those thoughts in your mind. Like, Hey, but what about, what about this that you've learned from years ago or, or thoughts that you've had? I mean, even in the moment of when my son had died and almost immediately this poem that I had done a little essay on back in ninth grade in high school came to mind. And it was mm. about this, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was about this, this boy that had died. That was, that was trying to comfort his mother and saying like, mother, you're, you're putting my light out, like kind of never grieve. And this was like in the moment at the hospital and Crazy. God was using a writing and a poem that I had written years ago <laughs> to bring this message to me. And so I was able to kind of go back and, and look through my high school papers that I'd, I'd happened to keep that one and go back and read that later, you know, a, a couple of weeks later, remembering that poem and going back to, to read that and see what that message was about. And was that, was that, was that my son trying to tell me that he doesn't want me to stay in this, this, depth of sadness because it was making him sad too. So just interesting things like that. Where, yeah. yeah. So as you, as you move forward, time passed and you, and you went on with your life, what, what were the, were there moments or different things that happened that you, you just would be reminded, Oh, God's there. He, he understands my grief. He's, he's looking out for me. He, God placed so many people in my life through that first year, the second year, even moving to Las Vegas, it was, it was really hard to leave Provo behind because that was where he was born. That was where we had that, I mean, so many great memories and, and you know, our family was started there. We were married in Utah and then we had our, our son and we had that loss and to leave him behind was, was devastating for me. Um, and I also felt like we were leaving our support behind because we, there were so many people that I, I became best friends with a couple of people that, you know, I kind of knew, but through the loss and through them feeling the need like this, this, this need that they couldn't turn down that they, they needed to be there and be my friend. It just was, it, it was so healing for me to be able to, they were putting themselves directly in, in my, my path of pain so they could receive messages that I was having a hard time receiving myself. So we'd go for walks or we, we visit at each other's houses and talk and they'd say, Hey, I, I came across this message in the enzyme for you. Or, um, you know, just have these conversations that I couldn't figure out on my own. So God would send these, these women, these friends to my life to help me hear these messages, um, to, to bring me comfort. And then moving to Las Vegas through going to church, we, I, I couldn't help when they asked me to bear my testimony or, or to teach a lesson. It just naturally would come like that. All my most spiritual experiences and my testimony came through this loss. And so I couldn't help but bring it up. And so mm-hmm. we were able to create a new support system, a, kind of a secondhand support system that they weren't there for the loss, but they, love our son and our family as much as if they'd been there for that. And so we've been able to make new friendships. And one of these friends that I used to work out, or I still work out with, she's our, our boot camp mom. She would, we call it boot camp moms at the park. And she was a, she's a very intuitive friend. And it was around the time I just had, it's kind of a cool story. I had just had my second son. So after Ty, we had our, our rainbow baby, um, Ayana who is eight and a half now, but at the time she was, she was just two. And we had another son named Aaron. And I think probably having, even though I was in a good place, probably having another son was, was triggering for me. I mean, having each baby was triggering, but because it was a boy um, that brought up new things. And even though I was at a place of peace and happiness and like our family was growing, I hit this, this wall. Maybe I, I, I dived a little bit and I started feeling really abandoned by God and, unloved by unloved and unneeded by my son. Like I wasn't having these experiences that people talk about like, Oh, your, your daughter's going to probably talk about him and, and you're going to maybe dream about him or see about him. Like all these things you kind of, they're wishful. Like you, you want to have those connections where you can visually see and, and audibly hear 
and connect in a way that you're used to with um, your child. And I wasn't having those and having had just had my third baby, I was kind of getting to a low, a low point. And this, this friend, I feel like God sent to me also, she told me one day, she said, she, she kind of knew where, I, where my thinking was at and where I was feeling kind of abandoned and, and forgotten by my son. And she one day said, I feel like you need to watch the movie Tarzan. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I love me a good Disney, but Tarzan, first of all, Tarzan wasn't one of my favorites, but I kind of knew what, where she was going with this. She probably wanted me just to watch that opening scene where the gorilla mom's singing to Tarzan about like, you'll always be in my heart. And I appreciated the message, but I, I wasn't really feeling it. And I didn't make the effort. Like she even dropped off the DVD for me and she said, here, just watch it. And I, I didn't really get around to it. I stayed in my closet. And a couple weeks later, maybe two or three weeks later, Tarzan the movie came on TV and I was doing laundry and decided just, you know, put the laundry aside. And I, I held my daughter and my, my son and we just watched it together. And we'd already missed the opening scene or the kind of beginning scene where the girl, the mom's singing that song to her baby or to Tarzan. And so I figured I already kind of missed the part that my friend wanted me to see. So I kept watching the movie and then the scene comes and watching the scene, it was like everything slowed down and it was like my, my mind just honed in on this scene. And it's, it's the scene later on in the movie where Tarzan's trying to figure out, you know, where he comes from that he, and he's so different. And so the gorilla mom, she kind of reluctantly takes him to this, the treehouse where he was born and as an infant before he lost his parents. And you kind of, you see him kind of going through his things and you watch the gorilla mom kind of anticipation in her eyes. And she's, she's watching for Tarzan to come out and you just kind of hear this, this clop, clop, clop sound of, of Tarzan's shoes stepping like a human on the wooden platform. And she looks up and she sees him standing upright, not like a gorilla anymore, standing upright, wearing new clothes. And he looks, he's looking down at her and she just looks completely broken because she knows that he's dressed in these new clothes. He's moved on to this new world with, with Jane and he's going to leave her behind. <laughs> Sorry. And, and he says, he walks over to the mother and, and puts his hand on her face and she's crying because she knows that he's going to leave her. And he says, no matter where I go, you'll always be my mother. And she says, and you'll always be in my heart. And so that scene, it might seem a little cheesy because <laughs> it's a Disney show, but in that moment, it was like everything just slowed down. And I saw like a kind of like a, a vision or an image of, of my, my spirit son older in my mind and saying that to me and saying that, even though he's moved on to a new world that I was still important to him and I still mattered as his mother. And that was God speaking to me that I wasn't alone. And even though we were in separate worlds that we still had that connection. And even if I don't feel on an, on an every day because of the distractions of life or what, whatever it might be, like that connection is there. And um, it was really powerful for me to, to feel that. I think that is such a sweet story. A couple of things, a couple of reasons why. First of all, that God, we can't put God in a box. Like Heavenly Father can use anything to help us. I mean, he used a cheesy, like you said, <laughs> Tarzan movie. But I, but I think that's beautiful. And that was the message that you needed that day. And and he, he really can use anything. The other thing that I that really stuck out to me is that you said at the very beginning when you were sharing that, that you had an intuitive friend. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's kind of the phrase that has stuck with me. How, how does someone be an intuitive friend to help someone going through grief? 
I've had a few in my life. Um, I've been so lucky that way. I think it's people that are willing to, you know, to, you talk about walking in that empathy, like will, willing to walk in your pain and just, mm-hmm. I think people, I, I think a lot of people try to understand these and they, they, a lot of people naturally have sympathy and they want to help however they can bring you meals and whatever it might be. But there's been certain friends in my life who will just sit and listen to me, whether it's crying or, or just talk about my son or just, just kind of being in the moment and hearing and, and taking a step further, maybe even feeling what I'm going through. I think it it takes a a special heart to do that because it's not, it's not easy to sit with someone when they're in their pain. I mean, I have a hard time that even with my husband, when he's sometimes I'm not always the best support for him because it hurts me so much to see him in pain that I just want to get to the fix it part. Like, what can I do to fix it? What can I do to make it better? And those intuitive friends know how to just sit with it. And enough to be able to feel what you're feeling and then to take it a step further. And I think these friends have gone home and they've, they've prayed about it and, and prayed about what I was feeling and what could they do? Is there anything that I needed to hear or to see that could help me? And for me, that is just going above and beyond. And it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's made the biggest difference in my life that someone would take that extra care and the extra pain on themselves to then carry the spiritual message that I needed to hear. So it's meant the world yeah. to me. I really, I really love that thought that that an intuitive friend goes a little extra, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they bring you into their own spiritual life. It's mm-hmm. not just on the surface. It's praying for you and yeah. re- trying to receive guidance to know how to help you. And I really, I really love that thought. That's something that I really want to internalize more. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think, I think it's good. I, I haven't experienced the profound grief that you have. And, and there's a lot of people like me, but, but we want to help and we want to say the right things and do the right things. And so by you sharing, you know, it helps, it helps other people. So someone in my life, I can help them better because I know from your experiences how to do that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 I really, I really love hearing that. And that's a question I've asked a lot to a lot of guests who have experienced grief. You know, how do, how do people help you? You know, what was the best, the best way to do that? So I appreciate that you're sharing that. The other thing that I've thought about a lot in preparing for this interview is I would just love to know, how did you get the courage to have another baby? And you've had four. Had four. (laughs) You know, Ty was your first and, and then you had the courage to have your daughter and have that rainbow baby and, and then to keep going, you know, what, 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 how did you know that you had healed enough to be able to do that? And, you know, what, what did that look like for you? I think with my daughter, Aya, at first it was desperation. I needed that pain to go away. I needed to be a mom again. It was when that's your first child and it was Mm -hmm. the most pure happiness I'd ever felt to have that just stripped away in a moment. There was no, there was no gradual like, Hey, you're going to lose this. It was just gone. There was nothing. And I just needed it back so bad. And so I, maybe I think looking back initially at first, it was just desperation that I wanted to have another baby. And then I, didn't get pregnant for the first few months. And so I ended up doing some therapy that I desperately needed also Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that it was a good thing that I didn't get pregnant right away because I was able to kind of work through some different stages of emotion and feeling angry and that kind of thing. But having Ayana, we call her Aya, she really was one of the most healing things for me that when I, when I stopped stressing so much about getting pregnant, when I started going to therapy, then all of a sudden I got pregnant (laughs) and I was able to really enjoy just the, the anticipation of her and the joy that she was going to bring our family. And it's interesting because she has been such a connection to my son. She is 
all of my kids feel a connection to Ty, but she especially has, you talk about that, that intuition, like she's, she's got a little bit more. So we've had, com- there's deeper conversations I'm able to have with her, but anyway, yeah. So I don't know, each, each, it was, it was, it was a very healing thing, but it was also with that healing still came a lot of fear, a lot of pain because mm-hmm. when you love something so much, you also fear that you might lose that. And I'd already experienced what that was like. So it was incredibly hard. Once she was born, I couldn't go more than five minutes, like literally five minutes without looking at her or waking up to check on her. I could barely sleep. So her birth, her birth, even though it brought me so much happiness it all and, and hope that we, here we are having a family at first, a lot of that joy was kind of stripped away with fear because I just could not stop thinking, you know, what if, what if, what if, mm-hmm. um, it could happen again, it happened. Like, yeah, I'm not just, a, it's not just a, a random statistic. Like I am the statistic. So with her, we were able to receive, we, we received some priesthood blessings and that helped immensely within, within two weeks, I started sleeping a little bit more and started to breathe a little bit deeper. And I could step away from her for a few minutes and go outside and go for a walk. And so it was, it was a much slower process with her. I mean, two weeks, it was, it was fascinating that it was two weeks, but it, that fear continued on for the, probably the next two, two and a half years of her life. Maybe it just, I yeah. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and go and just put my hand on her and check on her, even though she was fully grown enough and she wasn't a baby anymore, but that fear of something might happen to her that, that didn't go away for a long time. So having more kids, that process was very much the same. I mean, I think what, what kept us going was we knew what we wanted. Ultimately, ultimately we wanted a family and we didn't want to have that fear keep us from doing that. And so mm-hmm. it was just, kind of taking that leap of faith and knowing that God would help us through those hard things. Because if the hardest thing was to lose a child and God helped us through that, then adding to our family, why wouldn't God help us through that also? So each, each child kind of brought that stress and that wear and tear in my heart of, you know, making it through the pregnancy and then making it through that the first year of their life. But it really, there's been a lot of special experiences that I've shared on, on another podcast and in some of my writing, just how the whole, our whole family's come full circle and how God has taken promises after, after Ty died promises that he's of a family that he, that he promised me initially at the temple and with my daughter's birth, all just coming full circle in that, how, how he has answered and, and he's, he's just ever present when, especially when I'm looking for them and looking for yeah. those answers. Yeah. How do you think your perspective on miracles through God has changed through, through your experiences? My definition of miracle, if you were to ask me, I mean, the, the, the morning that Ty, that I found him and, you know, handed him off to a police officer, I was praying for a miracle. I was desperate and pleading and just, you know, make, make what looks like my son, it looks like my son is dead. Make that not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, bring him back to life. That was, that was what the miracle that I was looking for. I mean, that didn't happen, but I started seeing different perspectives as I started, you know, blogging and writing, writing my book, Borrowed Angel around that time the movie 17 Miracles came out. It's about the, the pioneer, um, the Willie Handcart company who suffered so much. And it talks about these seven, these little miracles that, that they came across. And some people might look at a miracle and be like, with the pioneers in particular, you know, there was an extra biscuit or like the, the biscuit got big enough to feed the family that night, or there was a pie on the side of the road that fed them for the day. Why would that small miracle be considered the miracle? Why wouldn't God just step in and, and take away the trial of, of the journey? Because that was the real trial. It was the whole journey, not just a day. But that's not how God works. He, he gives us these little bits of sustenance to kind of get us through a day at a time. And that is what I found in my life. That's what I re- related to a lot, especially in the first couple of years, was God was blessing me with a friend that had a message for me, or God was blessing me with the joy of motherhood again. Even though there were the hard things, there was so much joy sprinkled throughout it as, as well. 
Um, so the miracle is just seeing that God lets you go through that journey and helps you to grow, but also doesn't let you do it without giving you that the, the little bit of sustenance and the the help along the way and, and so much love. Yeah, I love I love that you can share that about the way that you have discovered that God works in your life and the way that you've seen him and to remain faithful through all of your grief and such such difficult things that you've gone through. What would you say to someone who's back where you were in Provo on that on March 10th, you know, just finding out that your your son is gone and having the perspective that you have now after you've walked through those things and you've seen God, what would you say to someone in that situation? I would probably say what a number of strangers said to me who had been there, strangers that had lost children that reached out to me that, you know, a friend of a friend or they gave me hope and they just said, they promised that it would get better. And then they, they didn't say that, Oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. They, they sat with me in that pain and then said, but it will get better. I promise it will get better. And they gave me that hope and I could believe them because I could see that they had that gap in their family, but they also had these other kids or or they were still, you know, that normalcy, it was a different normalcy, but it had come back to them. And so I would want to offer that hope that it's, even though it's painful, that there's a, there's a growing process and those healing, that healing comes in pieces. And I'd want to be part of that process if I could, which is why I wrote Bard Angel too, because when I was in the middle of it, I was looking at grief books and they're, they're, they're very, a lot of them are very technical. I'm like, here's what grief is about. Here's a, here's mm-hmm. a cycle of process. And I didn't want to hear about the process. I wanted to hear real life stories from real life people who survived it with a spiritual take on it. And that is what people were able to give me just these families that had been through the hardship and they'd, they just share personal stories of how you know, exactly this, that, that God would present, present himself in my life and that it would get better. And that's, I don't know if I could have fully believed it at the time, the day of, but I've seen it. I've seen it and I've lived it. And that's what I hope to pass on to other moms who are living that day one. And I'm so sorry for anyone listening that is that is in those, those that first early, early period, because it is just the hardest. Yeah, I really like what you said, that healing comes in pieces that it, you know, it doesn't happen all at once. It's not just a, a switch that gets, you know, turned, but what a great way for you to be able to share your story through your book, Borrowed Angel. And I really like what you said that it's, it's a way for you to share your personal experience and the spiritual part of your journey and not just this clinical, here's mm-hmm. the steps of grief. And mm-hmm. um, I know, I'm sure that that is so helpful to so many people. So I will, I will make sure that I link up where people can find your book in the show notes so that they can go and hear more about you. But Erica, I love talking to you. Like I said, when, when we met in person, there was just something about you. I just, your faith comes shining through and that you've been able to move on to a place where you can share with others and, and help them, I think is really a miracle. And it's really beautiful. And I love the way that you share it. So thank you. I do. I do have one more question for you. And that is how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? That was one of those questions where we asked me that earlier and I was thinking about it. I'm like, I feel like I need to do a better job of it, actually. Like, uh-huh. I think I forget sometimes that I just need to pray and include him more often. Um, but up to this point, I have just seen, it really has just been through other people. It's kind of like like with a with a parent, when, a, when, when you're a parent, and I imagine when my kids get a little bit more grown up and maybe don't physically need me as much, it doesn't mean I stop praying for them or worrying about them. And I feel like that is how God is as a partner in motherhood. It's he's going to still kind of do his part. He's still going to send people in my, in, uh, in my path to help me, even if I'm not directly communicating with him, um, he's still so aware of my needs. And just because 
I'm not as, there might be periods of time where I'm less communicative and I, I don't reach out directly as much, but I still see when I stop and pause and look and, and put the pieces together, I can still see that the God's using other people to be those, those ministering angels, ministering angels in my, in my life. And I think it's something that needs to be utilized more often. Just remembering that you can go to them for questions and for just sharing your emotions and how you feel. Cause that was, that was one of the biggest things I was afraid of was being afraid to be angry. And there's, there's a difference between feeling an emotion and being angry at God and expressing, actually, I'm just feeling angry. Help me through this. And so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, just remembering to, to pray to him and, and ask him for a specific guidance because he's there. Yeah. It, it's definitely a reminder we all need, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the distractions, especially where you're at with two, two to eight year olds. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> but that that is a good reminder that we can all just just remember that he's there and we can turn to him and he he knows our kids he knows what what they need and, and he will be there to help guide us so thank you so much for your beautiful story erica and for being willing to share it today i appreciate it so much thank you for the opportunity so glad to to talk to you again yeah so- you too I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.